Welcome to Side Talks. The podcast. The podcast. The only podcast. The only podcast about film. Well, certainly that. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, so... I'm Rachel Morgan. That's right. I'm the yes, creative you director are. for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. And I'm Corey Kraft. I just stumbled in off the street, and I'm really confused about what's going on in here. But you know what a microphone is, so we'll be good. Oh, that's what... This is a microphone. Okay. Oh, you got it. You so got I shouldn't it. just, like, bang on it. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do bring that. Bring some chaos energy to this recording. Save we'll, it for the five-minute Yeah, fight. we'll get to the, there. We'll get there. All we'll right. talk about movies. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. And uh, it's that time again. Uh-oh. I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm getting ready. It's time for a five-minute fight. What are we fighting about? Well, we are fighting today about John Hughes' Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Go Brad, ahead and start, start that, that timer. timer. That's right, because um, this may surprise frequent listeners of this podcast, but I'm taking the negative side of this argument. This is a movie I don't like, and I'm fully aware that this is a beloved you know, cuddly classic that everybody thinks is great. Well, I don't. And I guess it's because when I was a kid, I was like Ferris Bueller's sister. And now that I'm an adult, as an educator, I'm more like, you know, the principal in this movie, Principal Rooney. Uh And I'm just like, get these darn kids back in the classroom where they belong so they'll stop slacking off. Wow, you just... You've just lost this fight. I know I did, but like I don't I really have never cared for this movie. I know you like it a lot. Why yeah. do you like it? So, I mean, for a number of reasons. One, I know I get I know what you're gonna say, I mm-hmm. feel like. At least some of it. Like is it smug? Yes. Is Ferris Bueller smug? Yes. Um you, you referenced the sister played by Jennifer Gray. I do think that that in part is what allows me to love this film, is that you have that little bit of a like you know, raised eyebrow at how annoying Ferris is. And so I don't, annoying. I don't think that it denies that I don't think the film itself denies that Ferris is kind of annoying. It It is a... It, I don't. I don't. Mm. Um, I think that's sort of per, part of the purpose of having Jennifer Grey sort of be a, this, this, this meter stick for that. But aside from all that, what I would say is even if you find Ferris very annoying, which I sometimes do, especially like when we get to the parade scene... That's I'm, the scene where he's just uh, like the king of Chicago. Right. It's... And... and you know, you probably don't like the fourth wall stuff, is my guess. And I you don't. probably don't like how over the top some of this is. You know, you can read there my mind. There are all these kind of complaints about that, you know, this was this is longer than a day. But let's put all of that aside. I'm acknowledging all that and not throwing the baby out with the bathwater and saying that this is a really fun, really iconic film with some great performances, some amazing writing, some good cinematography that also has some really, really special moments, a number of special moments that bring it together to be a great film that has stood the test of time and is a reason, there's a reason why it's beloved. And one of those is, I would say, the scene in the art museum. Mm-hmm. It's the thing when people hate this, hate on this film. I bring that up. It is a it is a great, beautiful scene packed into a teen comedy. That's one. Two, I would argue that uh, Sloan. That's all I need to say. Mia Sarah. Yes, Mia Sarah, amazing. Okay, love her. Sure, love their relationship. Uh huh. And third, Cameron. I think the character of Cameron is really, really interesting. Okay. And I think it's unlike other things in these type of films. And it, I find it really relatable. And I remember seeing this at the time, seeing this, and my dad giving a big eye roll to this film, but really, really liking Cameron. 
And I, I do think that that Cameron character kind of speaks to some of the folks that don't love this film for all those reasons. It's also fast moving. You, you, you get some great cameos from people like Ben Stein, Christy Swanson, so on and so forth. Uh, um, uh, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen looking – him and Jennifer Grey are about as beautiful as two human beings can possibly be sitting on a couch next to each other. So there's that moment. Mm-hmm. There's just so much stuff. I, I get the annoying parts. I can overlook the annoying parts. It's just a great iconic film. I don't even know that I have to say a whole lot to in support of this thing. I, to win. I, I just – you know, the, the whole idea of centering this smug Alex P. Keaton, Reagan era – you know, white guy who lives a dream day and gets everything he wants and essentially is just on top of the world um, for no particular reason other than he's just a smug white guy. I just can't, I can't get into it. I don't find it funny. I don't find it charming. I, I, I'll grant you that I haven't seen this movie in a long time. So it's possible that my feelings as I approach, you know, decrepancy in my old age may have shifted somewhat in this or changed somewhat. Yeah. You're being a damn bummer with this thing. That's what you're being. You're being, I, but, you're, you're, but you're that bringing is, the bummer to me. And- that is not on, un- that is not unlike my historical position on John right. Hughes. Ooh, it's in too fun. It's, it's too- but it's not that it's fun. It's just that it's, it's, it's smug and glib. And I just like, I, I, I reach my tolerance with that, you know, very quickly with the breakfast club, with this, I just can't, I can't, I'm not on the right wavelength with this. It's a totally movies. different film than Breakfast Club. Totally different film. It's a totally different film in some ways, but it I mean, it obviously carries some of the same DNA. I and mean, I do have yes and no. problems with that. Uh, yes and no. I the overall sentiment of this film, right, is that is that whole like everybody should take a day and smell the roses kind of thing. This sort of you know, take some have some adventures, take some risks, do some fun things, don't always be focused on the bottom line. And I it's it it's a fun film for that reason. And that seems to be what you dislike about it is that this damn thing is like, yeah, let the kids out of school every once in a while. It's, it's, it's fun to lie every once in a while. Well, I fundamentally disagree with both of those points. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, Oh, lying to your parents, Corey's against lying to your parents. And you should go to sleep, you know, relatively early in the evening. So you can wake up early in the morning. You should eat your vegetables. Um, you know, do your homework in a timely fashion. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I haven't seen this movie in forever. I know that I'm going to lose this because everybody loves this movie and I know we're over time and it's just not for me. It's everybody not my sort do- of thing. I don't think everybody does. Love- I think a lot of people share your, share your beliefs. I do. There are dozens of us. There are dozens of you. But is Sam among us? There are dozens of us. you that want to bring us down and bum us fucking out. <laughs> there are dozens of never nudes. For that, that's right. All right, I'm going to say Corey gets some slack here because he is Why? because he is a teacher himself, so he knows what it's like. So put, am I, Sam. With... <laughs> so am fucking oh, yeah, I. That's true. Mm. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> I Corey fucking get... teach film, you assholes. <laughs> Corey gets no slack then. Um, Corey has to teach Aspic kids. I don't know. They're different. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, when okay. do I get slack, Brad? <laughs> um... <laughs> it is smug. Um, I think Rachel is correct saying like it doesn't deny that Ferris is annoying and smug and glib, which is Corey's negative points for it. Um, but it is a classic, iconic film. Corey has kind of become the villain here, though, so 5,000 points for that unexpected plot twist <laughs> this late in the season. Um, and, yeah, you at least... I guess you get slack for at least having the self-awareness of becoming the principal Rooney character. 
Um, so yeah, Rachel absolutely wins. Right. Cameron is a close second. He's the best, and Corey's last. Also, Thank the you. car jump scene is just how can you not? Sam, would you like a gummy bear? Yeah, I, I think it's warm from being in my pocket. I just need you to know that I once I got I got like a macked out rental car when I was working in advertising. Uh huh. I don't even remember what it was, but it was like a it was like a brand new blah, blah, blah. and I actually witnessed the valets driving it really fast <laughs> and jumping little speed bumps in the parking lot of Lenox Mall. Nice. Like when I came back to the hotel. Anyway. You you find your pleasures where you can. Okay, loser, on the heels of losing <laughs> the Ferris Bueller argument, which we knew you were wrong, so we knew you would. All right, rub lose it in. It. Get get am, it out of your system. I am shuffling some 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 cities on pieces of paper. Okay. You know the game. You I know do. what this is. I'm going to pick I'm, a city. You're gonna, or, well, I'm going to pick it. You're going to pick it. You don't know what it is. You're going to tell me the first film that comes to mind. Let me just warn you, we've gone through New York, we've gone through Chicago, we've gone through my we've gone through some of the big cities. Yeah. We're getting down to it now, okay? So, uh, shuffling music, Brad, and here we go, okay. and Memphis, Tennessee. Hustle and Flow. Oh, it's a The good Craig choice. Brewer movie with Terrence Howard as an aspiring rapper slash pimp. Oh, it's a good choice. Who wants to break out of the pimping game and get into the rapping game, and that movie rules. It's good. Uh, you had a chance to mention your boyfriend, Jim Jarmusch, here. Yeah, well, he's and made, he you know. Mystery he, Train, right? Yeah, that's right. Um... But yeah, Hustle and Flow was the first thing that jumped to mind, especially because of its uh, Oscar-winning original song from 3-6 Mafia, It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp. <laughs> oh, sometimes the Oscars get it right. Yeah, they do. That's a good song. And of course, I'll never forget the host, John Stewart, quipping uh, right after that, uh, that for those of us keeping score at home, 3-6 Mafia has uh, one Oscar and Martin Scorsese at that point had zero Oscars. Of course, Ooh. that would change the very next year. Well, that is a that is a, a very nice comment to make there to highlight uh, that very fact and, and rub that in Scorsese's face a little bit. Well, I think it sufficiently <laughs> shamed the Academy votership to give him the Oscar for The Departed. So yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, there you go. You got it. And and that's that's not the easiest one, even though surprisingly lots of films made in Memphis. Really. Lots of films made in Memphis. A, a great film scene in Memphis. And of course, our friends at the uh, the festival, Indie Memphis there. Shout out. Uh, a great time every year. All right, let's go. Big, big bucks. Today's my day. Let's go. Big bucks. No whammies. No whammies. Big bucks. Big bucks. Here we go. Stop. Well, it's another stormy day. So you know what that means. Ooh, scary. It's time for a filmmaker lightning round. And today's filmmaker in question, we're going back to a director after, you know, spending a couple of these talking about actors and actresses we admire. This is a director that I think we admire, though I don't know if I'm using that pronoun we correctly. Um, no, I, I'm a big fan. Okay, good. Uh, I am too. Um, I, I know that there are a couple of his movies perhaps that, um, that I might like a little bit more than you, but we'll get into it during this, uh, filmmaker lightning round. Um, the filmmaker in question, of course, is Richard Linklater from yep. Austin, Texas, yep. uh, a sort of indie sensation of the nineties who has continued his eclectic career, um, mixing big hits with critical favorites um, up to the current day. He's still churning them out and um, making interesting stuff. So, Rachel, what is a Richard Linklater movie that you love? Okay. 
I mean, there are there are a number of them. I'm going to go though with the OG, okay. with the film that introduced me to Mr. Linklater, a film that had a major influence on me as a young film school student, and that is Slacker. Yeah, great film. Not everybody's going to agree with me on that. Definitely a moment in time. That film has an interesting life, one in which, uh, as is so typical of an indie filmmaker, he maxes out his credit cards, his sister sister's credit cards, um, begs, borrows, and steals, um, has an investor that then backs out, screens this film internationally in front of an audience of two people, one of which walked out, and <laughs> feels like he's got to put this thing on a shelf and then ends up screening it at the Seattle International Film Festival and uh, walks to the screening and goes, what movie's playing there? Because that's a huge line. And they're like, that's your film, dude. <laughs> and uh, and, it, and it sort of blew up from there. So a really great you know, uh, success story that wasn't always the road to success, which I appreciate. And so, um, so for that reason, Slacker holds a really special place in my heart and it's also at the time it may feel it may feel dated now it may feel a little strange now but at the time such a fucking innovative film yeah really really influential and it's a it's a sort of format that he tweaks and returns to pretty much throughout the rest of his career the sort of vignette uh the small vignettes with interesting characters uh style of filmmaking yeah Um, uh, he's he's probably just about as good at that as anybody is, and it kind of de- deconstructs itself too. It's yeah. just a, a really interesting film, a film of the moment, and and one that I appreciate totally. Deeply. Yeah, um, my favorite Richard Linklater movie, which is also spoiler alert in my top twenty movies of Whoa. all time, is his two thousand four film Before Sunset, the second. Second, this, that's an interesting trilogy. place to land. Okay. Um, I think that is by far the best of those three amazing movies that I really like. Um, it's the one where um, after their romantic meet-cute yeah. in Berlin, um, they meet up again nine years later in Paris, now in their 30s, a little bit um, older and wiser. And, um, you know, at different places in their lives. Let's Still just is say gorgeous. That. Still is beautiful. It's such an amazing movie. This movie is just the best. And I think this movie has one of the great endings of nice. all time. Nice. Um, so if you've not seen it, I won't give anything away. But if you've not seen the Before Trilogy in general, dear listener, do yourself a favor and watch all three of these movies. Stop the podcast now. I'll wait. We can come back. Oh, you know, I appreciate Linklater for playing the long game. Well, if, you know, he he's made he made those three movies every 9 years, right? Yeah. Sunrise in 95, Sunset in uh 04, um Midnight in 2013. Is he secretly filming he? something now? I mean, that would not that would that would track and uh you know uh, francois truffaut very influential on, yeah. on link later appreciate that he might very well be up to some some oh, business man. come on richard let's do it let's go all right what is a richard link later movie that um you might not like as much as many other people do oh here's one okay Everybody, just go ahead. Make sure that your eyes are on the road. You're not going to wreck your car right now because I'm I'm about to say it. I do not like boyhood. I was afraid you were going to say that. Oh. You you just mentioned, of course, the influence that Truffaut had on Linklater with 
um, the before trilogy, obviously boyhood is, is sort of a encapsulated sort of, uh, version of that. Love this film on paper. Uh-huh. I think it's a great experiment, really respect and appreciate what he did here and the longevity it took and, and all of that good stuff. But this film does not hold up. It's not good. Strongly disagree. So, think it's great. Sam, could you make a note? Because I am going to argue against Boyhood like you don't even know, bitch. <laughs> I saw this coming. Uh, I think it's a great movie. I uh, yeah. love it. There aren't too many Richard Linklater movies that I like less than most people. If anything, there are a lot of movies of his that I like more than a lot of people. But I'm going to, for my answer to this question, uh, go to the mid-2000s, which was kind of a a fallow time for him in some ways. Um, And I'm going to single out a 2006 experiment of his that I don't think particularly works. Uh, a movie called Fast Food Nation. I'm not okay. sure if this was a particularly well received movie in its time. I don't think it was. Um, so maybe that's not the not an appropriate answer for this. Now, if I really want to take a shot at a sacred cow, do it. And I don't do it. I think I probably like Waking Life a little less than a lot of people do. But I think I think Waking that's Life fair. is still good. That's a particular audience, though. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of people who are going to really want to, you know strangle you for saying that and then i think i but i think you're being fair yeah it's it's a good movie it's uh, and i i love the rotoscope animation stuff i just think he does the um the vignette you know style of things that we were talking about a minute ago i think he does that better in other movies and i think the rotoscope animation is done better in a scanner darkly which is a movie that i really like right um so a movie of his that you like more than most people um, you know, there's probably a few of those. And I mean, Suburbia would, I mean, excuse me, Slacker would probably fall in that category, but I will say Suburbia from yeah. 1996. One of his that I've never seen. Suburbia with the capital U. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably, that's, that's probably what I'd, where I'd land, I, you know, and, and that's probably more about a, a film that I've seen that other people haven't seen. So therefore I like it more. Sure. But it's one of those parking lot gas station kind of fun deals. I also need to. That that's one that could also fall under the next question you're going to ask sure. me because it's been a minute since I've seen it. But yeah. I do remember really enjoying it and thinking, boy, it could have been funnier than it is, but it's still pretty darn funny. Yeah. So my answer to this question is his 2016 spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused, a movie called Everybody Wants Some! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Uh huh. Um, so you liked it? Love it. Think it's terrific. Uh, but it came out at a time where I think everybody culturally was just like, nah, we're actually sick of dudes. And boy, is this a dude movie. It is kind of like a celebration of um, non-toxic masculinity in a lot of ways as this you know, college baseball team gathers in their sort of baseball team frat house and has stoner adventures uh, over the course of a weekend, much like uh, Dazed and Confused. The weekend before... College starts as opposed to Dazed and Confused, which is um, – is that the last, the last last day of school? That's right. Yeah. Um, so they're companion pieces in a lot of, way, a lot of ways. Uh, Dazed and Confused is obviously the better movie. But when Everybody Wants Some came out, I saw it in a pretty packed screening at the Atlanta Film Festival and just laughed 
you know, hysterically for the whole time. I think that movie's tremendously funny. It's got an extremely charming uh, ensemble cast of young dudes, including uh, Wyatt Russell, Kurt right. Russell's son, who's popped up in a bunch of stuff since then. Um, it's just a it, it's a wonderful movie that's just got so many classic Linklaterian moments and gags and lines and small moments of profundity. And I'm just astounded that not only did this movie not catch on when it was released in 2016, it hasn't really picked up a cult like Dazed and Confused did. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen Everybody Wants Some, check it out. Because especially if you like Dazed and Confused, you might like that one. You probably don't like it very much, do you? I haven't seen it. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, check it out so we can fight about it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, and you know what? And to your point, part of the reason I haven't seen it is it it hit me during festival season. Yeah, and I had it. It, it was one of those that went to, I think, a streaming service pretty quickly, Probably. or it was available pretty quickly somehow. So it didn't. It wasn't available to us anyway. And I'd heard so many bad things about it. In addition to it being very readily available at a time when we wouldn't have done that. Now it's like, oh, it's readily available. What does that even mean anymore? Right. But at the time I wouldn't have been able to program it and so I kind of skipped it and when and then it went away. Yeah. To, all to your point. So nobody I, nobody really talked it. about it. Yeah. I, it's worth it. it's worth seeing. Um but it is you know it's it's a it's a dude movie. I mean yeah. it is it it has big dude energy, you know, right. or whatever. So but you know I I don't think Link Later is the type of filmmaker who who sort of wallows in the the more negative aspects of that, and yeah. you know, it's not to say that he doesn't ignore them because I think you know, dazed and confused spotlights some of the more toxic elements of of that for sure sort of party you know young man partying subculture, but but he you know it is a more fond I think and nostalgic and wistful look at that sort of thing. yeah I mean Ben Affleck's on it so. It's got, you know, got that creep vibe. So you kind of already touched on this, but a movie that you feel like you may need to revisit. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go twofold, and one of which would be Before Sunrise because it's been so long since I've seen it, and I was really taken by that film when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Found it to be extremely sweet and romantic, and all those things. And I feel like now when I watch it, I might have a very different take on it. So I'd like to see it again. It's been a while. I don't think you will. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, it, I need to go back and see it. Yeah, so, you do. And then the other is we're we're going to be bringing back Days and Confused because um, in this in this effort to support theaters, the cast is getting back together along with Jack Black to do a special Q and A for cinemas, and so we are bringing back Days and Confused for a theatrical experience. And Sick. I am looking forward to seeing that, and it's also I'm excited because it's been. Oh my gosh, it's probably been a decade since I've watched it, which makes that really fun. We watched it. I don't know if I watched all of it, but I watched a lot of it at the drive-in sidewalk film festival. Yep. Um, Yep. I did not watch that screening of it. So, and I'm happy that I didn't because yeah, looking forward to seeing it now. Fun drive-in movie though. We we had a really good time. That was the hope. Um, So the movie that I would like to revisit, there are probably a couple, some things that I haven't seen in a while, Um, but I want to kind of spotlight his, um, underseen and underdiscussed 2008 movie me and Orson Welles mm. with uh, Zac Efron and Claire yep. Danes and it it's kind of a a film nerd movie right because it takes place in the Mercury Theater with Orson Welles um pre filmmaker Orson Welles right um putting on a play pre filmmaker Or Orson Welles is like 7 well, yeah, I'm, I know he I'm was joking a little bit. No, but, but you're not what a, really what, what like, a baby. like what he made Citizen Kane when he was 21. twenty one. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
So, yeah, if anybody wants to feel shit about themselves, the greatest film ever made was made by, and I actually think he probably was in pre-production at 19. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. So, anyway, yeah. Take that to heart. So, little baby Orson Welles in the Mercury Theater, um, putting on plays with his company of actors, and a fictionalized story with Zac Efron as a sort of... Um, I don't know. I guess I don't remember if he's a guy who comes off the street and it's just like, hey, mister, you need some help in your theater? I can shine your shoes for a nickel or whatever. Uh, and like Claire Danes, who's an actress in the company. Uh, there's a little bit of a love story there. It's, it's a fictionalized sort of romantic drama set in that milieu. And I was I find that milieu and that 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 setting appealing enough to sustain my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember it being like a particularly great movie and I don't think it was particularly well received, but I would like to revisit it one day um, because I think Linklater is by and large a filmmaker worth going back to, even when those experiments don't pan out. And a lot of the time they don't. Yeah. And appreciate him for trying them. Yeah. Um, so that is the filmmaker lightning round. We, we didn't really talk about his biggest hit of all time. School of rock. Do you like school of rock? Oh, it's not a great film, but I do like Jack Black a lot. I think Jack Black's really funny in it. I think he's really good in it. The film itself. I could leave it. I think that's a pretty good film. I, uh, I like Joan Cusack in school of rock. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the- I'm not arguing any of that. It's just a bit of a, like, it, it's surprising to me that that's his biggest hit. It's not his best film. It's got it's got good energy though, and it's got a lot of good I, jokes. I so, um, but yeah, Richard Linklater, a filmmaker of uh, considerable merit, he's got a new film coming out this year because, of course, he does. He's a very productive filmmaker, but he's working for Netflix, and the film that's coming out this year is called Apollo Ten and a Half. Apparently, it is a mixture of animation and live action, and I think. And I want to make sure that I'm right about this. I think it does reteam him with his school of rock star, Jack Black. And that's correct. So um, that'll be something to look for on Netflix at some point this year. Um, So that's Richard Linklater. And that's the Filmmaker Lightning Round. Good Filmmaker. that went by quick thanks for listening to side talks we are your own personal cinematic ferris bueller and mr rooney had to do it yeah sure do it um i wish i could think of like an iconic line for mr rooney but i can't no plus i don't think anybody really needs me in the year 2021 to try to like imitate jeffrey jones you know he's probably not he's kind of you know i do just like the bus scene at the end Really? Yeah. Why? I like, is that the, your I like the weird part? girl who talks to him. Oh, wow. Opposites. Opposite day. Almost like we have completely hmm. disparate opinions yep. on that movie. Yep. And it's got that yellow song. <laughs> My mom bought like the single to that. <laughs> yep. She loved that. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks to Valwell Studios at uh, Sidewalk Film. At uh, SidewalkFest.com where you can see the cinema showtimes and all things Sidewalk related. Shout out to Splash 96 for our wonderful music and bye. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.